Hey, welcome to Reach Arts, season five. It's April. It's National Poetry Month. I will talk with some North Shore poets and they will read some of their poetry. Listen along. It'll be fun. Today, I am with poet Melissa Varnavis. Melissa is a poet, a journalist, and an editor. Her work has appeared in many literary journals. Welcome, Melissa. Now, Thanks. I have, I have a few questions for you, and then we can listen to some of your poems. Is that all right? That's great. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay. I'm excited. So, first question. Where, when, and how often do you write? Oh, great questions. <laughs> um, it really depends. I find uh, if you've ever read, um, there's a there's a book, I'm, and the name of it is Escaping Me, and it's really about how art begins. And there's a real flow to it in terms of saturation and impression, the act active creating and then sort of polishing that creation so there's there's a good amount of time where I could go a couple of months and just be reading and uh, absorbing and then there'll be a couple of months where uh, I feel like I'm writing every day and the location of where I write also changes quite variably. Um, I know there's a lot of talk of people who uh, really segment out their time and, and make time for writing every single day, you know, in the morning at a specific desk where they write. And a lot of that is about getting your head in the right space to know that, okay, I'm at this space and this physical location. And at this physical location, I am the poet persona of myself. And I think in these times, these weird pandemic times where people have made all kinds of adjustments in their living work situations that their at-home desk is now their work desk and their dining room table is now, you know, their work desk. And my own personal and professional life I've gone from the couch on my back on my breezeway to being my work desk to my dining room table to a uh, coffee table in the living room to uh, an actual uh, office slash guest room space um, but one of the things that I really love to do in terms of where I write is bringing a little uh, bring a book of poetry with me on my walks and jotting snippets of poems that come into my head as I'm as I'm taking my walks which was a, a habit I picked up when I was in grad school huh. okay I, I know I'm not supposed to ask you another question but I'm just curious so you say that you spend a few months sometimes just reading and not writing do you consider those months sort of like research yeah that's right um and and sometimes you know it doesn't need to be like a formal research per se, but you're really just saturating yourself in your own experiences in, in the world. Now, you don't even really need to be uh, reading prolifically or, um, you know, uh, adhering to a specific timetable or construction in terms of your creative experiences, but being in your own mental state and acknowledging that there is time where you can just be in the world uh, without mm -hmm. having to 
hold yourself uh, overly accountable for that time and know that those experiences that you have in that non-writing time are gonna flood back into your writing when you come back to it. So I I think, um, I guess what I'm saying also is that I'm trying not to make myself feel too guilty about the times when I'm not actively writing. Right. And okay. And I have just, I know it's another extra. No, please, please. Okay. Because you said that you carry a little book around with you when you go for walks with little snippets. And when do you, when do you actually look at the book? I mean, is it, do you, as soon as you get home or do you just think, oh, I'll look at it, you know, whenever, how does that work for you? Um, So it works in a lot of different ways. So uh, sometimes um, I actually bring a little tiny notebook that fits in my coat pocket. Um, and I always have a pen or a pencil in my coat pocket. I know a lot of writers do this. They keep a you know, little tiny notebook in their pocketbooks or in their cars or, or wherever. A lot of uh, poets are now actually using their uh, iPhones or their um, smartphones as means of recording, you know, their thoughts when they get into, you know, you're driving down the street and you pull over and you, and you pull out your your smartphone mm-hmm. and you hit record and you and you record some notes for yourself uh, whenever the mood strikes you but I've also taken to and I know this is uh, <laughs> I get some weird looks when I am walking down the street but I'll take whatever book of poetry that I'm reading um, as and I go for a walk and I'll read a little bit and I'll take you know look around me and take in the environment and read a little bit as I am walking and uh if something occurs to me, I will stop and jot it down on the pages of that book of poetry. And uh-huh. then I'll, and then uh-huh. I'll go back uh-huh. every, um, every three months or so and pull out the books that I've read over that course of time and go through them. You know, the same with my notebooks, you know, every three, three or four months or so I'll go through them and, you know, cross off what amounts to essentially journaling and then pull out the things that actually have some poetic merit and put those in my uh, drafts folder where I, come back and and review and revise and revise and revise as uh mm. donald hall had said you know <laughs> every revision he revised one poem like 180 times or something as the folklore there um and i have a one of my poetry teachers lauren Bosselar, had said that she was on stage with him one time and he had his actual printed book of poetry and he was revising the poem before he got up to read so oh. <laughs> no poem wow. is ever no poem is ever 100 percent done but Interesting, because that's my next question for you. How do you know when one of your poems is done? Or is it ever done? I don't think it's ever really done myself. Um, you know, there are days where I'll, where I will think just for the sake of, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes good enough is good enough, you know, at the moment that it is. And, and as every, every life experience will tend to inform your revision so in some cases you maybe don't want to go back to a particular poem because the experiences mm-hmm. you've had since you originally wrote it would taint the original intent of the poem okay but sometimes you know as as life goes on you learn more things you have new insight into how those feelings and that experience that you originally were creating uh sort of informs that younger self and those young those younger words on the page oh younger words on the page I like that (laughs) (laughs) okay and do you call yourself a poet and if you do when did you start calling yourself a poet 
that's an interesting question. I think I consider myself a writer first um, because I do a lot of different kinds of writing. I've been a journalist for most of my adult professional career um, and, and really coming back to poetry in my early 20s. I did write my first poem when I was in my tweens um, sitting at the counter in my parents' house, uh, but I put it away when I was in college after, you know, some mm, less than helpful feedback, I guess, from college professors and so forth, um, mm. and then sort of came back to poetry at the urging of, of some um, additional friends later on. So I think I, I consider myself a, a writer first and then a poet second. And I think if I was to call myself a poet, I think that comes with a, a little bit of, um, well, I, I guess it's not, it's not quite a mantle I want to take on. Like, what does it mean to be a poet? Does it mean, you know, multiple publications? Does it mean you have a book out? Does it mean you teach poetry? Does it, you know, what does it mean to be a capital P poet? Um, and I guess, I guess I'm sort of a lower, a lower P, <laughs> a lower P poet. And are you a capital W writer? I think so, um, oh. because most of my professional career and my hobby career is is writing generally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it funny what we allow ourselves? It, it is indeed, you know, and, and you don't want to. I mean, there is such a there are people who, you know, are professional poets who are out there making their living as a poet every day, you know, so their time and their schedule is really around the written word, around dialogue with other poets, around presentations around poetry, um, and in almost every hour of their day that's not, you know, within their their personal sphere, taking care of their children, etc. Um, where my career, uh, professionally speaking, um, is in the healthcare publication. So while I am writing every day, um, I'm not in the poetry world every day, like a professional poet might be, if that makes any kind of sense in terms of yes. uh, clarification. Okay. Yes, it does make sense. Yeah. Okay. But you've got some favorite words, haven't you? Oh, gosh. Um, well, <laughs> you know, I have friends who say, who have very unfavorite words <laughs> you know they they make a joke out of you know picking up on words that that send shivers down their spines um and i don't have a favorite word or words per se but i do love the way that writing and the the beauty of language mm. can really help inform our understanding of our experiences in the world. That when we stop to consider the words that we use and we take the time to write them on paper and revise them into poetry, what the words themselves can illuminate to us about those lived experiences and hopefully, potentially, cause a creation or, or create a connection between anyone who potentially hears or reads those words. Yes, that's nice. I like that. 
And what about authors? Do you have authors that you, or writers that you admire? I love Jane Hirschfield, honestly. Um, she's got a great, a, a great um, book called uh, Nine Gates on Writing Poetry, which I think is just lovely. Um, Laurent Basilar, as I mentioned, is one of my uh, professors. Kathy Aguero is one of my professors as well. Her work is really lovely. She's just got a new book out. Um, local authors, too. Um, I think, uh, Agatha, you're going to be speaking with some other folks from uh, the Swampscott Tin Box Poets, which is uh, yeah. a group I belong to. And uh, those folks are just amazing, amazing poets, super creative, super wonderful, um, you know, sharing, critiquing. Um, so, you know, my hat goes off to Lear Friedman and Margaret Ekman and Javi Awan, uh, Ray Whitaker, too. He's just a wonderful wonderful New England poet, um, Clem Schoenenbeck, you know, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss a couple of names, but, but they're all wonderful, uh, wonderful poets. And many of them have been, have been published, um, both locally and, um, nationally as well. So they're all really great, great artists, um, great artists too. Nice. Okay. I like those local names. You sound pretty good. <laughs> And what's the best piece of writing advice you've ever been given or that you've ever heard? Well, honestly, I mean, it's a writing is a craft um, and it has aspects that can and should be learned. There are tools to writing poetry and it's worth getting to know them. In writing a poem, it's important to understand what a poem is. That's not, and what it's not as well. How all of those tools, you know, alliteration, uh, line break, imagery, form, uh, structure, meter, all of those tools can play into a poem to elevate the way the reader hears and interprets and internalizes a poem. So I think those are important things um, to sort of remember in terms of craft, especially, and I guess this is really what I, I you know, in terms of advice, one thing that I would, would say is to remove the self from the content of the poem and allow yourself the creative possibility and potential of revision and of playing enjoying the play that is writing poetry get with folks that are as in love with that act of playing and joy of writing to work through your poems with them because every time you take another look at your poem there's the words on the page and the way that you move the words around can show you something else about what the poem wants to say to you and what you maybe need to know about the poem itself and about the larger world. I like that idea, the playfulness of 
writing poetry. Ooh, okay. If so it's what- not fun, why do it? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not gonna, if it's not a joy, then then don't do it. <laughs> you know, it has okay. to be. It has to be fun. <laughs> okay, and Melissa, what are you going to read to us today? Well, I have a few poems, and okay. Agatha, please uh, do cut me off if I'm running a little bit long. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll share a couple of poems here with you. Um, these are poems from a, from a little chat book that I'm trying to get going um, called Alligator Chronicles. And hopefully uh, some of the themes will come through as I'm reading through and you'll get an idea of what that means. So I'll just go ahead and get started. Yeah, sure. That's great. Alligator number 234. Mirrors in the whitewashed basement reflect our small fingers, delicately balanced on the ballet bar, while our little legs kick out, tiny arms floating like butterflies and birds. We can take off. We can fly up and out over the swamplands, past the maws we imagine over and over again with each new game. Oh, how we managed to twirl our way into each new set of rules, hundreds of them. Each time evading envisioned perils, each time somehow escaping the inescapable. Recreating the rules to fit our whims, recreating ourselves. So many times we can no longer keep track. This next one is called Dandelions. When I was little, I used to wish for world peace, but now I know acceptance that I shouldn't have wished for anything but the tickle of flower seeds like snow against my skin. Now, I am five again or 10 again or 50 and the snow that wasn't supposed to start until nightfall has filled the seaside streets The clouds have all dropped their skirts and the ghost of the sun becomes a hole, a door in this globe too high to climb through. But why would I try to escape this anyway? Now the flakes are soft and quiet and still and endless. I am 32, 47, 91, or a hundred, or five again, staring at the horizon, standing at the threshold. Mm. Childhood fears. When the moon hit that patch of pine, blue-white, sent its shine through the slim attic windows, shook its long light, and cast its shadows up my sheets. It transformed into soldiers, dark demons, where every white space could have been a hole for a mouth, each negative space where a skull socket might squirm, where perfect blue eyes might once have been housed. I trembled as they clawed up my covers and stabbed into the white lace dangling from the coverlet, squeezed my eyes tight and willed their disappearance, prayed. You know, everybody's, everybody's got that, (laughs) that, uh, memory of being afraid of the shadows in their bedrooms, you know? (laughs) Oh, well, you certainly conjure up the images, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I will just uh, go for it a little bit and I'll have just a couple more poems if that's okay. Yeah, that's good. Excellent. Yeah, sure. Carry on. Uh, This is called A Blessing. I imagine my love as passion, a steaming cup of coffee, drunk up in sunshine, memories of early morning chocolates, sips of champagne. The wind in the trees carries the cicadas hum, their mating call. He says it's about love. It's always about love with him. He loves me so much it makes him crazy. He smooths my hair with one big hand and kisses my mouth hard. I imagine his longing, twilight fields soaked in purple hues, his eyes fill with a dimming light that whispers so soft across the pond, his dissonance in his heart beating fear and loss and loss and death. But not now, I say, not now. I know this, I know this. I kiss him back and shudder as he moves his lips over the blue line pulse of my left wrist. And I'll just have uh, one more little happy one. Come sing. Even when we are old and the blend of wind passing to has moved on, we will still speak of the leaving. Let the young dream of the catching. Together in a hush with the trees, we will be that which speaks of longing, longingly, while the children dream into the blend of their own blood, their toes dug in the mud. Bodies in the sway, branches stretching out to catch the sun, scattering it into soft green shadows for the play of some song. The wind, the wind, the wind. And we will go to dancing, my head buried against your chest as the leaves mesh, become nets of shadow and light. Not me or you, now as we are old and hear its voice and strum the song, that beautiful, penultimate silence that's nice wow but Melissa thank you thank you so much I mean how you read it it's so joyful and intimate and it's great thank you thank you so much for that <laughs> thank you thank you I appreciate it uh, the folks in our in our tin box I'll give another little plug for it. Anybody who's interested in enjoying the tin box, we meet on uh, first Monday of the month at Reach Arts uh, in Swampscott. And uh, the members of the tin box often tease me because uh, one of the things that I love to play with in poetry, one of the tools of craft that makes makes writing most fun for me is the line break. So when mm. I when I read, I try to enunciate the line break, but I think often there's a difference between seeing and reading the poem uh, on the page and hearing it read out loud. And uh, those two things are both uh, equally unique aspects of 
aspects of craft. So I really appreciate you saying that, Agatha. That's awful nice of you. It's it's just so nice to hear poetry. I read a lot of poetry, but to hear it, it's it's exciting. It's so exciting. Oh, thank you so much. All right, Melissa, as our guest, you have the final word. <laughs> What so, would you like to say? The word is poetry and fun and, and enjoy it and do, you know, even if it's just a few words a day that you just want to scribble down or if you're into journaling and you have a few words that you want to just spend a little more time with, just do so because it can be so rewarding. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you actually having me on here. It's been a joy and, and uh, all the best. It's National Poetry Month. Write a poem. Read a poem. Share a poem. Thanks for listening. Stop by again. <laughs>